This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus. We are in Psalm 35. It's verse, it's got 28 verses. And this is a song, a Psalm of David. And he is asking God to handle a major difficulty. Most theologians believe this was written in when he was being chased by Saul, King Saul. And uh, King Saul wanted his life mainly because he was jealous of David. And this is one of those times in David's life that was was perhaps the most harrowing, the most difficult, a time where over a long period of time, he was under a constant attack, constant. He was on the run constantly. And when we read this psalm, we need to remember that oftentimes people will take a passage or a verse and try to directly apply that to their lives in their moment right there. And although there is always good application of the Word of God to two situations of life, sometimes you build up your situation to be greater than it is and make yourself into, say, a martyr or make yourself into someone who who is the point of attack of all the darkness. And there are times when that is true, but the this time of David... It, rarely do people go through these situations, in, and I've known people who've gone through being attacked on every side to try to be destroyed, and that does happen, and it does, and it is true. But this needs this psalm needs to be used sparingly in our lives because it is a time of absolute turmoil and rebellion. Now, in our nation's time, or or maybe when we apply it to other situations, that would be appropriate. But when David was being uh, hunted down by King Saul. That was a very unique situation. David says, plead uh, my cause, O Lord, with those who strive with me. What he's saying is, I need you to fight the battle because I, I am not even close to on the level of who I'm dealing with. He says, fight against those who fight against me. And he's directly asking God to be on his side and and to fight against those who are fighting against him. And that is because uh, there wasn't any any middle ground. There wasn't going to be ever going to be any agreement or coming to a place where we could figure it out. They were going to, they were after him to kill him. He says, take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for my help. And what he's saying is, Lord, I need you to bring all your forces to array. I need your angelic army to come down and defend me because I I am not capable of handling what is coming against me. I could, and you got to remember, this is a man who had already killed the bear and the lion on his own out in the wilderness, and he killed Goliath in uh, single-hand combat. And he is saying here, I am so severely outnumbered. I cannot, there, there is no hope except in you. Now, 
the principle of there's no hope except in him is a great principle for us to understand because the truth is without God's plan and purpose in our, there, there is no hope. But in this situation, he is literally uh, so severely outnumbered that there is no hope. He says, also draw off the spear and stop those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. And what he's needing to hear from God is, is that God's going to handle this. He says, say to my soul, I am your salvation. He, he has gotten to the place where he knows God is his salvation, but he is in a position where he needs to hear that from God. And God, when he saw it out in, in, in this way, he is findable. He is really findable in this way. God wants you to see him in the roles and in, in the character that he has. He says, let those be put to shame and brought to dishonor who seek after my life. What he's saying is, he says, I want, I want you to, to not only stop them, I want you to, I want you to, to, to set things back right the way they ought to be. Who seek after my life, let those be turned back and brought to confusion who plot my hurt. That's a, that's a, a direct appeal for, for retributive, re, retributive justice, which means retribution. He says, let them be like chaff before the wind. And that's a, a allusion back to Psalm 1 where he says, not so the wicked, they're like chaff blown by the wind. He's saying, let them be just blown away like nothing, just and they're gone. He says, and let the angel of the Lord chase them. What he's saying is, I need Jesus to come down. I need, he doesn't know him by the name of Jesus here, but he needs the commander of the Lord's host in Joshua. He needs the angel of the Lord to come down and destroy them. He says, let their way be dark and slippery, meaning uh, make it where they're slipping all the time and falling. And you will find that, that generally speaking, God makes sure that happens. He does. He makes sure that they slip up and, and their plot and their plans are, are made known. He said, for without cause, they have hidden their net for me in a pit, meaning they set traps for you. And by the way, uh, the world does set traps for you, and darkness does set traps for you. And if you don't think that the enemy is out trying to trip you up and keep you from, first of all, walking along the path God has for you, and second of all, from uh, experiencing his very best, and then third, from actually making a difference in the world and changing the world, the enemy is definitely doing that. There's no doubt about that. So they have the enemy has laid a trap for him, and he does lay a trap for us which they have dug without cause for my life. And David is saying, listen, in situ there are situations where I'm wrong, but in this situation, they have no cause. They're just coming after me because of what I stand for and who I am. And, and I say this to teenagers all the, all the time. If you're born again, the world is never going to love you. So any effort to try to make the world love you is futile because the world's not going to love you. You're not a part of their kingdom. You're not a part of who they are, and they're never going to be on your side. That's And to be a friend to the world is to be an enemy of God. And to be a friend to the world is placing yourself in a position where you have nobody that will stand up for you because the world isn't. And now you've caused it where God can't because he would be allowing, he would be allowing you to walk in, in unbelief. And so he's not going to do that. He said, which they have dug without cause, let destruction come up, come upon him unexpectedly. What, he, what he's saying is I need relief right now and I need it in a way where nobody expects it to happen. 
And actually, that does happen. A battle happens, and they go off to war. And in that war, Saul and Jonathan and his sons are killed. He said, let destruction come upon them un him unexpectedly. Notice it's a him here, and that's why we think it's King uh, Saul. And let his net that he has hidden catch himself into that very destruction, let him fall. And you will see that God does that. Oftentimes the, the enemy sets a trap and, and they forget where the trap is and they catch themselves in it. He said, and my soul shall be joyful to the Lord. Notice, if you'll do this, Lord, I'm, I'm gonna be joyful. I, it shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord, who has delivered the poor from him, who is too strong for him. Notice there is another illusion like Psalm 41, which we dealt with yesterday, of God taking care of those who are lesser. And that I always think of the poor being lesser, not least or less lesser. That that triangle, the Pac-Man mouth pointed that way, or I guess it'd be pointed this way. Yeah, this way, which means less than. It's not less than or equal to less than. God takes care of the lesser in the situation. Why? Because God takes care of the poor. He said, yes, the poor and the needy from he who plunders him. And, and that's why Psalm 41 starts out, blessed is who has regard for the poor, because God's in the business of taking care of, are unable to take care of themselves. And he's in the business of also blessing those who recognize those who are, are lesser in the situation. Fierce witnesses rise up. They ask me things that I do not know. That reminds me of reminds me of the media today. He said, they reward me evil for good to the sorrow of my soul. He says, but as for me, when they are sick, they were sick. My clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting and my prayer would return to my own. He says, I cared about them. They don't care about me. And that is a very difficult that is a very difficult understanding to have. Jesus, when he was uh, in the upper room, he knew that Judas was going to betray him. He also knew that Peter would uh, deny him. He also knew that all the other disciples in that room would be scattered. He, he, he had already said it. The shepherd was going to be struck and the, and the sheep scattered. And he knew all of that and yet was willing to die and be raised again. He knew that because that's the people are. If you are caring and loving other people so that they'll care and love you, you're going to be disappointed in life. If you're caring and loving other people because God loved you, you're always going to be fulfilled. And and that is a very strong understanding that you need to grow as you grow and mature. You acting godly you doing the things that God has told you to do toward others should never, ever be done in an expectation of them rewarding you with the same treatment back because the likelihood that they will is almost zero. You And so if you're doing it so that they will fulfill you by reciprocating or doing it back to you, you are going to always spend your Christian life disappointed. We do, we, we do, unto others because he did unto us. We care for others because he cares for us. We love others because he loves us. We give grace to others because he gave grace to us. We forgive and we move past others' transgressions and issues because he forgave and moves past ours. 
And there's really no middle ground there because I see so many Christians get disheartened and disappointed in their Christian life because of others, and which means that their eyes are focused on the world and their eyes are focused on individuals and not on God. You cannot live your Christian life that way. You cannot do that because you will always spend it disappointed. The Christian life has to be lived with a focus on God and his countenance and who he is and not on yourself and not on others. If you live it focused on yourself, you are a narcissist and you will never ever experience God's best or become the best you can be. If you spend it for, uh, focused on others, you are, you, it is a sick reciprocating pattern where it just keeps coming back and over again. You try and they don't reciprocate. You try and they don't give it back. And you just can't live your life that way. You will find joy in serving God and loving others, even if they don't ever show any sign that they understand what's happening. He says, I paced about as though he were my friend or my brother. Notice what he's saying. I, I, I believe that Saul was my friend or my brother, but he wasn't. He said, I bowed down he heavily as one who mourns for his mother, meaning I cared about him so much. I, I acted like when his mother was sick and, and dying that she was mine. But in my adversity, they rejoiced and gathered together. Notice, but when things happened bad for me, they rejoiced. Attack, attackers gathered against me and I did not know it. He said, they tore at me and did not cease with ungodly mockers at feast. They gnashed at me with their teeth. Uh, and trust me, the enemy knows when you have set your heart on others liking you or others feeding your joy and your value in life. And the enemy will put people in your life who he knows will turn on you. Lord, how long will you look on? Rescue me from their destructions. My precious life from the lions. And remember that spiritual powers at work too. I will give you thanks in the great assembly. I'll praise you among many people. He says, I need you to, I need you to quit just watching and I need you to act and I need you to come against the spiritual forces that are arrayed against me and I'm going to give you praise for it. He said, let them not rejoice over me who are wrongfully my enemies, nor let them wink with the eye who hate without uh, me without cause. Notice there's not a reason for this. There's not a good reason for it in what he's done to them or what's happened in the situation. The world does not love you. Only God loves you. And God's people, when they are trying to be like their heavenly father, love you. But only when they are trying to learn how to be loved like their heavenly father is. That's the only sources where you can really expect love because the world will turn on you and eat you up. He says, but they do not speak peace, but they advise deceitful matters. They devise deceitful matters against the quiet ones in the hand, in the land. They also opened their mouth wide against me and said, aha, our eyes have seen it. Notice they're watching all the time for him to slip and fall. And have you ever noticed that's what the world does? They build you up so they can tear you down. 
And they do that not just to God's people. They do that to everybody's built up so they can be destroyed. Build up so they can be destroyed. Because by destroying them, they're building themselves up. And that's the world system. We do not operate in the world system. That's not the system we operate in. And if your mindset is always focused on the world system and operating in the world system, if that's what your mindset is, you will always be being be being built up to be destroyed, and you will always be building up to destroy. We work on our own system, and it's God's system, and it involves a direct relationship of trust and faith in Him, and it doesn't involve an expectation of how others are going to act. He says, this you have seen, O Lord. Do not keep silence, O Lord. Do not be far from me. Stir up, for your, stir up yourselves and wait to my vindication, to my cause, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord my God, according to your righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, ah, so we would have it. Let them not say we have swallowed him up. What he's saying is don't let them win. <clears throat> All right. And God is in the business of lifting his children up, but his children have to have the character and nature of not putting themselves in a position where they are emotionally and, and socially dependent on the loss for their strength and for their joy. You cannot depend on that. If you do, you are going to be disappointed. He said, let them, let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who rejoice at my hurt. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who exalt themselves against me. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. He's saying, be on our side, God. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. And as we go into the world situation and deal with the things that we see going around, going on around us, you, you have to remember that there's a, a roaring, roiling battle that's going on in this world all the time. And, and we are a part of that, but we're a part of that in a very unique way in that we're, we're a part of that for the purpose of bringing others to an understanding and, and helping them uh, begin to chase after God, not for a victory or not for uh, the ability to have something uh, happen on a grand stage or in a, in a large environment. We're not here for that. Now, does that happen when God's people are doing what they're supposed to be doing? Yes. Because what happens is we feed others, we help others, we strengthen others. And as the more people that we help and we love into an understanding and chasing after God, the greater the force that is behind us, the movement that's going on to actually see change happen. But the focus is not on the large and the global. The focus is always on the single and the individual. The focus is always on helping and leading and changing the single in the individual heart. And as we do that, as we do that, we, we change the world. But it's not done 
by changing it in an instant. God does that kind of stuff. It's done by changing it on the very incremental small scale. And, and ultimately, that's what life totally is about. It's about the change of the heart. And that has to be done singularly and can't be done globally. And I would pray that as, as you go through the day, that you remember that we're in the singular business. We're in the individual business. We're in the, when the, we're in the personal business of changing hearts and minds, not the world business, because the world business, changing the world's um, attitude is not possible. The prince of the power of the air, the ruler of darkness, still controls that. But the greater the number of individuals that are changed, the more hope and life there is around us. And that's really what we've got to be in the business of doing, is changing those hearts and minds. And let's be focused on that today and not focused on um, <clears throat> what the narrative of the day might be trying to focus us on. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today. Thank you.